Greetings. Welcome to another edition of the Bank Beat Quick Takes video blog. My name is Tom Bankston. I'm the publisher of Bank Beat magazine and bankbeat.biz website. Today, we're going to be talking about the accounting development that has a lot of bankers buzzing, and that's Cecil. Cecil is the current expected credit loss. We have a Cecil expert with us today to bring us an update on the Cecil situation. Sean Doherty, president of the Asset Management Group at Country Club Bank. Sean, welcome. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for letting me be here. Absolutely. Let's get right into the topic. Um, maybe you could kind of bring us up to date. Cecil's actually been around for a few years. We've been preparing for it. Uh, it's being implemented in phases, depending on the size of the organization. Just give us an update as to where we are right now. Yeah, good, good question. Um, so really, it was introduced in 2016, and it was a big deal back in 2016. It was first introduced, and it did get implemented in phases. First, there were um, publicly traded, or what they call PBEs, publicly public business entities. And those were SEC filers and non-SEC filers. And those were all scheduled to go into play in 2020 and 2021, and they did. Um, um, the community bank market, the privately held bank market, really uh, was designed to go in in 2020. One in December of 2021, and obviously due to the pandemic and other issues at, at play, including the uh, there's a lobbying effort to put in a small bank exemption at one point. So, so a lot of that has been pushed down the road. Now it is set. January of uh, 2023 is the um, implementation date for that, and a lot of banks because of the stops and starts along the way uh, in the community bank space anyway, have not given their full attention to that as of yet. Although I would say in the last six months, there's been a flurry of activity as banks begin to look to see what they have and what they can do and what options are available to them out in the marketplace. And they're all kind of, we're all gunning for this 2023 implementation date now. So. Let me ask you just real quickly, what, what really is the purpose here? What, what are the regulators, the accounting experts trying to get at by implementing this new standard? Yeah, um, again, the way banks have always done their reserve calculations has been on a historical basis. So they always say, well, what have we charged off? And then how do we adjust that so that we get to a reserve that we feel good about? Well. Regulators have never really been comfortable with that, or I should say FASB, the accounts really haven't been comfortable with it. And so that's how CECL came about, is they wanted, to, they wanted to standardize it for all institutions, and they wanted to make it forward-looking. So in the past, where we might have had these nine what we call Q factors, those were all uh, same Q factors we use under CECL, but the way we think about it has changed dramatically, and it's all now forward-thinking, and we have, to, we have to anticipate what those losses might be in the future, not just what we've actually written off in the past. Okay. Okay. So if we think about the typical community bank, the kind of banks that are all up and down the center part of the country, typically where should they be right now in terms of preparing for this? Well, um, they should have at the very least begun preparing data. Uh, 
you know, this, this whole issue is, is a data management issue, quite frankly, and organizing the data from their core in a way that most easily translates into this, this CECL process. And so um, at the very least, they should be have, they should have somebody on their IT staff looking at what they can get from their core, what kind of historical data they can, they can uh, retrieve from their core. Um, many banks have already begun the process of looking at different solutions to calculating this, whether it's in-house or whether it's using a third-party service um, like, like we provide. Um, but at the very least, they should have the data piece fixed and they should very quickly be moving to a uh, implementation so that they can run parallel uh, the calculation under the new CECL standard versus the ALLL standard. And they can relay that to their regulator and their auditors as to what those changes might do to impact their, their balance sheet and their income statement. So, And when we look at this standard, the new standard versus the historical reserve standard, how, what is the difference there? How will that impact banks' balance sheets? Uh, it, it, the changes are significant. And a lot of banks have historically done the ALLL calculations in-house, and they can still do the CECL calculations in-house. There, there's no requirement that you use a third-party service to do this at all. But the way they do it changes dramatically. So under the under the old ALLL, we have our, our loans, and we would look at our historical losses on that total loan portfolio, and we project those into a reserve. The way it works now, though, is we, we need to create risk pools. So there, there's two primary differences. We're gonna create these risk pools and we have to organize our loans by risk pools and allocate reserve by those, by those pools that we create. So what that allows them to do then is to, they have to have more granular data and they have to understand how to calculate those loss impacts by that individual portfolio or that risk pool. Um, and then secondarily, one of the things that they, they have to do is they have to obtain correlation. So one of the forward-looking aspect of CECL, one of those um, important pieces is to find correlation between economic data and loan performance data. And that's where a lot of um, in-house systems, I think, stumble a little bit, is because um, in order to establish that correlation, you, you do have to run some some scenarios, some, some regressions on economic data versus loan performance data. And in order, so that the, the idea is that if there's a change in the unemployment rate, for example, or CPI or GDP or some national economic data point, how does that translate into future loan loss reserves in the banking industry or in their specific bank? And really, there's no requirement that they do it in their own specific bank, but um, at least at the national level, they need to find some correlation so that they can adjust their reserves, right? If, if unemployment's going up and that correlation shows that there is an increase in, in um, charge-offs or decrease in loan performance, then they, they'll need to adjust their reserves accordingly. That's really the, the guts of this whole CECL um, program. And in the banks that you're working with, are you finding that the core systems those institutions have are, are sufficient to produce the kind of data they really they need to calculate this properly? Uh, yeah, I, I think they do. Uh, most of them do. I, I haven't run into one yet that doesn't. But 
The problem is a lot of the banks are not um, populating a lot of the necessary fields within the core, and they haven't been for years. So that's going to be a change. That's going to be a change in their internal processes, right? They're going to have to come in and, and say, okay, well, I need to update my risk ratings more regularly. Um, I need to look at credit scores a little more uh, closely. I need to make sure that everything is organized properly by call report code, for example. So that the data is, or the ability to manage that data is in the core. And it's up to the bank to determine whether they've actually been utilizing that core properly over the years. If they have, pulling that data um, for our purposes has been a fairly easy process. If they have not, then there are some things that we might need to do in order to normalize some of those fields until such time as we can build enough data in the system to overtake those initial um, overrides. And so there are a number of oh, accounting firms, consulting firms, and so on that are offering to help banks with their CECL compliance. Um, your organization, Asset Management Group at Country Club Bank has gotten involved in this. Tell us a little bit about your approach and why you uh, are active in this arena. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So we didn't intend to get involved in this at all. So when we, when we first started, uh, we're an asset liability management reporting company. So we, we do asset liability reporting on a proprietary system that we have. And we have clients around the country in various sizes from 100 million to 15 billion. So, so we've got a very robust model that we've created over the years. And it's proprietary to Country Club Bank and, and Bank Bad. But um, we were perfectly happy to let everybody else kind of, you know, get out in front of this. Um, but we had a lot of customers who came to us over the last couple of years and said, hey, we're giving you most of the data for this for our interest rate risk. Um, do you plan on doing something with this? And, and initially, my thought was, I really, really didn't want to get into it. But um, enough of them asked that we began to, to pursue it. And we started talking to regulators, started talking to auditing firms and saying, okay, this is how we think we're going to approach this. Um, does this work? And um, particularly when we mentioned this to regulators, they were, they were pretty um, uh, supportive of kind of the approach we took. So when we, so we started down that road, but we wanted to approach it differently than what we'd seen anybody else do it. Most modelers or most of these vendors have a one method solution, which means that they're going to pick one of the multiple methods available to calculating historical reserves, for example, whether it's the warm method or the open pool method or vintage method or whatever. And they, they pick that one method and they, they manage the data and the output based off of that one method. We didn't feel like that was going to be a, a viable way to approach this because we can envision, you know, a question coming up down the road, whether from a regular or an auditor that says, oh, I see you're using the more method, for example, to calculate your reserve. Okay, why did you pick that method? And if your answer is that that's what our vendor provided, that's probably going to be the wrong answer. Right. So what we want to do is we want to provide a multi-method approach that that outlines all the methods so we can compare one against the other. So we can make that judgment so we could tell our board or a regulator that 
yeah, we've looked at a lot of different options. Here they are. They all look really very similar in their output. And here's the data we have to support that. Without that approach, we were afraid that we'd get two years down the road and that question would come up and then the scramble would be on to try to rebuild data to try to accommodate other methods. And we didn't really think our banks would be open to that. So we, that's why we took the approach that we took. All right. Well, thank you. That's very helpful. So let, I'm going to ask you to just kind of look out into the future a little bit as we run through the course of 2022 into 2023 or, and even beyond. How do you see this playing out? Do you have uh, typically uh, uh, regulations, you know, uh, that don't, not, they don't remain static, right? Things do evolve. Right. So kind of where do you see this going? Yeah, good, good question again. Um, so I, I think initially we're going to get a little bit of a, of leeway in, in doing this. So I, I expect that in 2022, we're going to get in this exam cycle, we're going to get a lot of questions about what are you doing? What methods are you using? How are you testing that method? What the impact is going to be on your balance sheet? That's the type of questions we're going to get this year. Um, going into implementation phase, which is first quarter of 2023, they're going to come back and they're going to look and see, oh, did you do what we thought you were going to do? Why did you change if you changed along the way? Um, okay, we, we see what you're doing and, and we're okay with that. But we expect, you know, we've been, we've been doing this for 30 plus years. We've been dealing with regulators for, for that long at least and banks, quite frankly. And we know that the requirements and the, and the needs change over time. And so as regulators become more um, educated on this piece of their of their exam, the questions are gonna get harder and tougher and more, um, more specific. And so we want to have a system in place that can grow and anticipate those questions. And really that, that's how we built this, this whole calculator. And we call it a calculator, not a model. And somebody says, well, what's the difference, right? In my mind, a, a model has built-in assumptions and has, um, calculations that I'm unaware of that influence the output. A calculator, on the other hand, is a process, right? It allows us to see how everything is put together. It's, and we've, we've done this as an open source. Everything is wide open to our customers, so they can see every calculation that goes into that, that final CECL number so that they're comfortable with it, so that they can address those questions adequately with their customers and with their regulators. But we also wanted them to know that it's done right, right? You have a lot of eyeballs on something. You get a, you get a pretty good sense of, oh, man, that's not right or that, that looks right. And so that's, that was our approach. We wanted to make sure that everybody could see it and everybody, um, if they have questions about it, we could explain it and we could explain how it was done. So that's gonna allow this to grow and adapt to those changing questions that we anticipate are gonna, gonna happen. Because uh, you're right, these things never are static. Even though the, the guidance is static, the interpretation of that guidance is dynamic, right? Absolutely, well, I can't believe we've run up against our time here. This has gone so quickly, but this is a very important topic. I think uh, your observations are, are very interesting and we really appreciate you sharing them with our Bank Beat Quick Takes video blog audience. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thank um, you. Again, our guest today has been Sean Doherty, president of the Asset Management Group at Country Club Bank. 
thank you very much for being with us. Thanks, Tom.